0: What is up? Who all went somewhere for fall break? Who all is still there? You're not in the room, obviously, if you're still somewhere for fall break. Um, Well, welcome, I am glad to be here. My name's Emily, obviously, and I'm married to the Justin Free. Would you clap, give him some claps. That's fake, clap some more, he deserves it. Uh, Justin is the best in all areas. I mean, really, (laughs) dad, husband, uh, pastor, he really is the best. But there is one area that he lacks a little bit and that's video gaming. Go with me, listen, in our home, if we play Madden, you guys know the football game, who's played Madden? I will win 100% of the time. And I'm not even playing with you. He will tell you. And if he says something different, he's definitely lying. I promise you. Tell him. No, that's the truth. Um, I'm from a small town called Newport. Does anybody know where that is? Raise your hand, please. Whoa. Okay, there's a lot of you. Typically people don't know where that is. And they say, like Rhode Island? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds cool, whatever but it's not, it's Arkansas. Uh, I moved here from Newport to go to college. I went to UCA, go Bears. Bear paws up if you're from UCA, thank you. I majored in public relations and I can't tell you really much about it, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, I started working part-time at the church in the creative department. And uh, now I get to work at the Conway campus and our admin team, shout out to my admin girlies, Corinne, Bonnie, I see you, yeah, shout out. Um, and we love it. And Justin and I get to do Elevation together and we are passionate about it. We love you guys. We believe in all of you. We believe in this generation and I know that God is gonna use you. And I don't say that lightly. I heard it from him. He's going to use you guys to do major things for his kingdom if you will let him. So we're in Acts, obviously. We're gonna be in Acts 9. So you can turn your Bibles there. Um, And we're just gonna walk through this scripture. Like we're gonna go kind of line by line. I'm gonna give you a lot of context um, and we're just gonna study the word. I don't have three points. I'm sorry if you need that. I just am believing that the Lord is gonna speak directly to you from His Word. Are y'all ready? I don't think you're ready. I'll just leave, I'm just kidding. Are you ready? Okay, there we go. Uh, Just a brief summary. This is what's happening. We have Saul, everybody say Saul. Okay, he's a bad dude, right? He's persecuting Christians, he's on his way to persecute some more Christians, and then he meets Jesus, gives his life to the Lord, and then goes on to do some crazy things for the kingdom. What's his name? Good, okay, keep it up. Okay, before we dive in, I want you to keep this question in mind. What has God chosen you for? You can write that down, I'm gonna say it a lot. What has God chosen you for? Okay, give me one second. Okay, Acts 9-1, you can throw that up there. But Saul, but who? Okay, we're gonna pause right here because you guys have to know who Saul is in in order to understand the gravity of this situation. Also, his name was changed to Paul after his conversion. So if I say Paul or I say Saul, it's the same. Say Saul. Saul. Say Paul. Paul. Great, you're doing great. Uh, Saul was a Pharisee. This was a a religious group who controlled a lot of the decisions in Israel, okay? They believe that to be right with God, you have to abide by the written law in the 600 plus laws that were in the Torah, 600 plus laws. Can you imagine? I can like barely remember what the road signs mean, let alone 600 laws, but this is what they believed. And (laughs) okay, so what these laws did is they opposed Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill the law saying that no longer did you have to abide by these laws in order to be right with God, but only through him and through him alone, making him your Lord, that is how you become right with God. And the Pharisees did not like this very much. Um, Saul was a chief persecutor of the early church and his name alone made Christians shudder. There's a verb in the Bible. Go with me. Leme Can you say that? Thank you. Okay. Uh, It occurs once in the New Testament in, in Acts 8 where it describes Saul's destroying of the church. It also occurs in Psalms 80, listen to this, where it describes wild animals destroying and devouring a vineyard. That is what Saul was doing to the early church. Okay, this is gonna sound crazy. I've asked a couple people this week and nobody can relate with me. So I'm hoping that at least one person in here can relate with me. For some reason, I didn't grow up in church. I guess I should preface with that. I like went to church with my friends. Uh, But for some reason, I guess I heard one story of this happening. I thought a guy was gonna come in with a gun and line everybody up and ask you if you follow Jesus. Does anybody else, can anybody else relate to that? One, Keely, thank you. Oh, two, okay. I like had this major fear, but this is what Saul would have been like. Like he would have been coming up into churches and doing that. So he was bad to the bone. Like he was the worst of the worst. We get it. But I wonder what your past resume looks like. I'm not saying that you were killing Christians, okay? But I wonder what your resume looks like. And I wonder how God wants to use it for His glory. Okay, let's move on. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Okay, Justin, a couple weeks ago, talked about the story of Stephen. Anybody remember? He was stoned, he was the first Christian martyr. Um, And it says in the Bible that at the stoning of Stephen, Saul literally held the coats of his accusers, the people who were stoning Stephen, he held their coats and he completely agreed with it. And then it's also estimated that the stoning of Stephen was one to three years before Saul's conversion. Okay, so can you just imagine one to three years of persecution, what that could have looked like? Okay, so Saul, he went to the high priest and he asked them for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. Say, Damascus, y'all are still with me, okay. So if he found anybody belonging to the way, the way just means Christians, Uh, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. At this time, some Christians had fled to Damascus to get away from some of the persecution. And these letters, they just gave Saul permission to arrest them and to take them back to Jerusalem. Okay, have you guys ever seen Dog the Bounty Hunter? Yes. Okay, well, this is what I picture Saul as. (laughs) Look at that guy. I just, I need a visual. And so this is what I picture him as. He's on a manhunt. He's like going after these people. Nobody can stop him. If anybody gets in the way, like, so that's Saul. (laughs) Okay, take that down. Okay, praise God. Okay, verse three. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you'll be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and that it speaks to us still to this day. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room that you would speak directly to their hearts through your word. Speak a specific message to them. They'll walk out of here saying, I know I heard from you and I know what to do. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what just happened? We have lights flashing and voices and Saul's becoming blind. What is going on? This is the moment of Saul's conversion. This is where he finally meets Jesus. Can you imagine heaven rejoicing, finally? Okay, so maybe your testimony doesn't include flashing lights or blindness, but I'm sure that you all can remember the moment that you met Jesus. I'll tell you a little bit about mine later but God wants to use your testimony for his glory. Why was Saul blinded? We don't really know for sure. You might wanna add that to your list of questions for when you get to heaven. Um, But listen to something interesting I found. In John 9, we have the story of when Jesus heals the blind man. You know the one where he mixes his spit with mud and makes this like miracle mud? Gross also, but do what you gotta do. The Pharisees didn't believe that that man was actually blind. They thought it was all a hoax. They even brought in the poor guy's parents and questioned them. Like, was he really blind? Isn't it interesting that Saul, also a Pharisee, was blinded when he met Jesus and then healed by him. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, I know you doubted me, but I'm gonna show you that I am who I say I am. God can even use our doubts for his glory. I want you to write this question down. What do I need to surrender on the road to Damascus? What do I need to surrender on the road to Damascus? Saul surrendered his life. He surrendered everything, his reputation, his past, what he thought was right and wrong, his pride. What is it for you? Luke nine twenty-three through 24. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. For me, to be honest, it's my reputation. What are they gonna think of me? What are they gonna think of me? What kind of questions are they gonna ask me that I don't know the answer to? Am I gonna lose my cool factor? Are they gonna say no? Are they gonna reject me? Is there anything that you need to lay down in order to reach more people for Jesus. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. What's his name? Good. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am Lord. If only we all had that response. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Who? For behold, he is praying and and he has seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come. Oh gosh, sorry guys. Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he may regain his sight but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. This makes me think of Bonnie, how she says, this man, how much evil, this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. This is a fair statement from Ananias. Like, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing here? do you know who this guy is? He's the worst of the worst. He's coming to capture us and you want me to go to him? seems a little crazy, but despite his fear, Ananias trusted God. Despite his fear, Ananias trusted God. I wonder if there's anything in your life that God is asking you to trust him with, even if it doesn't make sense. What has God chosen you for? Okay, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. God had a plan for Saul's witness. He knew his past, present, and future, and he formed it all for his glory and purposes. God can also use your past, present, and future. Someone in here is ashamed of their past, but God wants to use it. Will you let him? Where we saw an aggressive, persecuting, religious terrorist, God saw, a chosen instrument. Where we had fear, God had hope. Where we wrote Saul off as too far gone. God wrote Saul in to his great plan. Initially, one of the greatest threats to the American church, to the early church. Now Saul's witness is now an equally great threat to the church's enemies the conversion of Saul will launch a full-fledged mission to the Gentiles, which includes you and I, by the way. What kind of mission does God have you on? What has God chosen you for? Verse 17. Thanks, babe. I can always count on you. 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Brother was hungry. Can I get an amen? Brother Saul, I love that Ananias said this. This was his way of expressing acceptance of him and Christian unity, like, yo bro, welcome home. Can you imagine this moment for Saul? Someone that he would have willingly killed is now calling him brother. Saul knew the Old Testament very well and no Old Testament prophet had ever cured blindness curing of the blind was a messianic prophecy. It was foretelling of the Messiah, of Jesus. So when John the Baptist wondered if Jesus really was the Messiah, Jesus told him that, Jesus said to tell him that the blind will see and that's all that he needed to know. So when Ananias told Saul that he was being cured by Jesus, He was confronted with the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. He knew that this was Jesus, that this was the Messiah. He could see again, this time not just physically, but spiritually as well. Okay, Denver, our son, we have a son by the way, I don't know if I said that, but he's really cute. Um, He used to hate driving in the car riding in the car. He would cry, we would cry. It was the worst. We hated taking road trips with him. We would rotate through a bunch of toys. We put an iPad back there. Sometimes we would get back there. It was the worst. I wish I had that picture of you where you were in the back, just like done. It It was a rough time to say the least. But recently we switched him from facing the back of the car to facing the front of the car. And look at this face. (laughs) <laughs> can you even, that little squishy boy. Oh, let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but look at him, he's so happy. Why? Because he can see. I just picture saw. this is just like him. He, we change, he changed directions and then he could see what joy we didn't change his car seat or the car, we literally just changed his direction. Okay, verse 19, we're almost to the end. This is when it gets good. Okay, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, where, good. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of all those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more and was confounded and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul believes and at once started preaching in the synagogues. And he wasn't just preaching there because it was a religious building. He was preaching there because that's where the the Jewish leaders were, where the Pharisees were. You remember his old crew, the people who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah? I wonder where your synagogue is. I wonder who your old crew is, who God's placed in your life to love and to serve and to win for his kingdom. God chose Paul for this mission. What has he chosen you for? I am here because a few girls in my sorority, they got this. They got this. They saw past my actions, the partying and the boys and the people pleasing and the insecurity. And they saw a chosen instrument, somebody who God could use for his kingdom. In my darkest, darkest moment, in my deepest need. Y'all, I almost got kicked out of that sorority. That's how bad it had gotten. They didn't run because of fear like Ananias. Intimidated, but trusting God, they pursued me and called me sister. They welcomed me into the family. Recently, I've been asking God this question. What, where have you given me influence? Where have you given me an open door? Where do you wanna use me? And we'll go on family walks. We live close to UCA and we passed by the sorority houses and I just felt something. And so I asked a girl, I was like, do you guys need help? What can I do? And she was like, actually, we have an advisor position open. Uh, It's the financial. (laughs) And I was like, oh boy, that's not, couldn't be me. Uh, But I said yes, and luckily another one opened that was better for me. Uh, (laughs) But I get to be an advisor for that same sorority and I get to be in proximity to girls who were a lot like I was are a lot like I was. And I know that God has chosen me for this. And so my question for you is what has he chosen you for? And what are you waiting on? Don't be so afraid of failure that you don't even start. Take the step. Let God do the rest. Don't get me wrong. I am scared. Like, do I even have a chance in there? The world is changing. I don't even know what's cool anymore. Like, but I know that he's chosen me. And so I'm trusting him, even though I'm scared. Some of you guys have given up on people. You've counted them out as too far gone. But can I tell you that nobody is too far gone. If people would have given up on me, I was that person, guys. I was too far gone, but somebody took a chance on me. Who do you need to take a chance on? Who is it? Write those names down, pursue them and love them and serve them and pray for them. Or maybe you and here yourself are needing a moment like Saul, like me years ago, where you need to change your direction. You've been running from him Maybe you've never even known him. You're like, who is this guy? He's awesome. <laughs> but I wanna give you the opportunity to make that decision, whether you've known him before and now you don't, or maybe you never have. I wanna open that opportunity for you. So if you would all bow your heads, we're gonna pray.